Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, welcome to Champions of Psych... Oh, you cannot hear me. Hello, Trevor. and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bocamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times as well as how gaming affects us. If you hear this live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. Uh, and our topic today is the limits of therapy. And this is actually the third time that we've really talked about therapy. But before we get to that, who are you fine folks for the people who may not know? I'm Mitra Jordan. I'm a registered clinical counselor working in Victoria, BC, which means I offer counseling and therapy in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. And <laughs> I say that questioningly, but it is actually a beautiful place. Anyway, I offer therapy and I often incorporate games into my work, particularly, well, always if it's an interest for clients. Um, and I love what I do and there are limits to what therapy can do. So. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to add to that? But who is this mysterious stranger? I don't know anymore. I just don't know anymore. It's 2021. I, I just, I'm so confused. But hi, I'm Raphael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. And I am We, should, we need that on a shirt. Just so you can <laughs> just so you can point to it. It would wrap around the whole thing. Just the whole thing. It would be front and back. But I am a clinical psychologist in Washington State, as well as the clinical director over at what was the first mental health nonprofit to serve the game industry, TakeThis.org. Make sure to check out all of our wonderful mental health resources available at TakeThis.org. And I'm also an expert on the applied use of games in clinical and learning settings. And I love this topic because it has been of great personal and professional interest to me over the last many years. And... I think like a lot of mental health professionals, I have an evolving relationship with the concept of advocating therapy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, speaking of therapy, let's talk about what therapy can't do, because the, the I think our first episode was like, hey, therapy's pretty great. Well, it is. <laughs> um, and, the, and we've also talked about how to find a therapist, mm -hmm. uh, because, again... Therapy is really dependent on your relationship with the therapist, uh, though I did learn yesterday about a type of therapy where that is not the fact. <laughs> um, the one with the back, you're the person. Oh, oh you're talking oh, about no, psychoanalysis. No, no, that's about relationship. No, no, no. That's it's still, weird. yeah. That's okay, still kind okay. of even more of a leap of faith since you can't see God. their face. And you're expected to do that a minimum of three times a week. 
Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Freudian psychoanalysis, yeah. man. And psychoanalysis, there really isn't termination in terms of a process. You could be doing that your whole life. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Oh, it's, a th it's a whole thing. Yeah. Well, uh, the the thing that we definitely wanted to, to talk about here is that, like, what therapy can't do, because we've talked a lot about the good of it and everything like that. But this is more this isn't like don't do therapy. This is, this is no. not that at all. No. This, no. this is hopefully giving you the right expectations when going into therapy yes. with what it can do for you. Yes. Yeah. So where do you all want to start with that? I want to start with your therapist should also tell you that what therapy can and can't do <laughs> that for That is you. fair. Yes. <laughs> that is fair. Yes. Yeah. Based on your specific situations, the therapist that you've chosen, uh, you want to be really clear about what's possible with them. So. Well, and I, I, I think this is a good opportunity for, for us to arm the, the, our listeners with mm -hmm. good questions. Mm -hmm. Because so often when people go in for psychotherapy for, uh, to see a mental health to see a mental health counselor to see a psychologist to see a psychiatrist one there's a lot of things that people don't know about that process and asking straight up what's the limits of what this can do for me can be a very powerful powerful question and personally for me if I ever encounter a mental encounter a mental health professional who I ask, hey, what's the limits of what this can do for me? How far can we take can this take things? And they say, oh, it can fix just about everything in your life. I'm out of there. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. That sounds more like a cult. <laughs> yeah, nothing can fix everything in your life. Really, your life is about you. You have the expertise in your life. A therapist is a guide. So, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Because um, I mean, it, it, this is a this is a really interesting thing that we and I I used to say this I used to say this in in my er, the earliest parts of my career, and it's a very optimistic thing to say that everyone can benefit from therapy, mm -hmm. and we hear that we hear that a lot. Everybody therapy can benefit everyone. Yeah, sort of. Um, <clears throat> oh, I, I, I think like I think the way that I've tried to say it, and I, I could be wrong. I may have in my life been like, no, nah, everybody should do therapy. But like the way that like I, I have it in my head is like everyone should try therapy at least once or twice. Well, that depends I, I, on on your circumstances, doesn't it? Oh well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Well, and it's, I, I, I use tool metaphors a lot, and yeah. drills can benefit everyone. When they need a drill. Yes. But drills don't benefit everyone when you need copper pipe. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> well, no, you're with the, the reason I say that is is because the if you're if you need to plumb a sink and you need pipe and someone hands you a drill, you're gonna look at them like, what are you what are you doing? What? Yeah. Point taken. Point taken. Yes. It's, you need the right tool for the right job, and when you use that tool for its intended purpose, it's a really powerful thing. But if you use it outside outside of the scope that it's intended, it's completely, it's in, it's useless. Yes, and to that end, I'm also going to briefly mention scope of practice. So when you go and see a therapist, you want to think about the population that they're used to working with. Um, 
And by that, I mean, do they work with families? Do they work with adults? Do they work with youth? If they're taking you on, they're usually someone who has expertise in an area that you're interested in. But if you're looking for general therapy, you do want to think about what sorts of uh, therapy that particular therapist offers. And even more important, if they feel like a fit in terms of, you know, personality and connection, do you feel safety? Do you feel trust? That kind of stuff. So you might yeah. feel safety and trust, but, you know, if they don't work in your area or they don't offer the kind of therapy you think you're interested in trying, that may not be such a good fit, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that was what happened with me with my most recent therapist, which was like, she's really nice lady. We uh, we connected and everything like that, but her brand of therapy was not exactly what was helping me at the time. Right. They Yeah, and one of the... One of the things that I, I think about when I seek out a therapist these days is count, can they thread the needle between empowering me as a person and not going into this realm of highly individualistic toxic positivity that we've, we've, mm. we've both we've, we've all talked about so much because I think um, I one of the one of the problems that has existed with lots of healthcare systems over the years and therapy is a uh, psychiatry and psychology are glaring examples of that is mm. people who for the I, I think the best of intentions have wielded the power differential the power that they had over people like a weapon mm. and psychiatry and psychology have over the last 150 years been used in countless countless circumstances to enforce normal behavior mm -hmm. and um i'm gonna i'm gonna mention some specific examples and these are these are examples of damaging highly traumatizing things so i just want to be real clear on folks that we're going to get into a very frank discussion of mm -hmm. of some some not so great stuff here so, you know, protect yourselves, take a break, mute us if you need to. Um, conversion therapy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, yeah. it was going on up until about even up to 10 years ago. It's still going and on in some it's places. Still in, exactly. Yeah. In some places it is. You know, but we've also, we've got, you know, we've got examples of, of psychiatry and psychology in the late 19 uh, the late 1800s the late 19th century even into the early 20th century being used against women who bucked social standards and they were Absolutely. declared insane yeah mm -hmm. his the word hysterical comes out of that time mm -hmm. um and it has been extremely damaging for women um for much of the last century and even into this one right and so you've got people who consider we're, you've got people who consider the point of view of the person they're working with and work collaboratively, but you've also got people who wield that wield that power in a way that reinforces social norms, not in a way that's not in a way that is considerate of the person they're ostensibly trying to serve. Absolutely. So you have to really feel that connection and safety with the therapist and ask right. them about their views. You know, if you're a person 
who is non-white or queer or another minority of some kind, you want to check in with your therapist that yours is a group that they support and advocate for. You do not want to find yourself um, as a non-straight person with a therapist who may have a bias towards some form of conversion or even has a bias towards you looking or acting straight or those kinds of things because those can really be very damaging. Right. But more even even going so even going further than that there is and I I'm I'm really thankful to see that the American Psychological Association and the Canadian Psychological Association are starting to change their tune on this. Yes. That in in consideration of cultural viewpoints as well. Because I, and I, I, I want you to say it how you said it yesterday, Mitra, because you said it so brilliantly about like the, the way Man, psychiatry. He does this to me every time. <laughs> it, 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 the, it's like, okay, two people with ADHD said that, say that thing again. <laughs> oh God, <I'm> right. <laughs> I don't, okay, okay. So this is this is always an interesting process between ADHD and autism because for me I get I'm gonna get into my hyper focus mode and I'm like I'm gonna say the things and then I'm like oh wait a minute social niceties you're taking you're taking what somebody else said you should really put it over onto them because <laughs> they said that thing don't take credit I mean that's that's lovely and it it's you know I'll go with yes that that is true what did I say yesterday um, so what we were. Why am I brilliant in our pre-shows? I want to know. <laughs> what happens to me when we actually get here? You know, really. Um, but that is a topic for another time, perhaps. So um, what I had certainly noticed personally in my training was culture was limited to one course. And uh, it you know, briefly talked about therapy in other parts of the world, you know, a little bit about mindfulness and how that plays in and, and Buddhist theories and how that plays into therapy today, a little bit about um, Morita therapy coming out of Japan. And I may be saying that incorrectly, please forgive me. But um, these are very different therapeutic styles. Um, when I was training as well, we talked about the way attachment and attachment theory uh, may translate across cultures. Um, and, of course, a little bit about the norms. But what we didn't get into was what it might be like for a person to be in a room with a culturally sensitive therapist versus one who isn't, which is what my thesis really focused on as well. So um, in my experience, there are certain cultural norms that are common in Judeo-Christian Western culture but are not so common in indigenous culture or South Asian culture. For instance, uh, if you're in a room with someone who's an authority figure, you do not generally, um, in some of these cultures, you do not tend to meet their eye. That was uh, something that became a real right. And also, it's exactly because, as well, if you are uh, neurodivergent, you may also not feel comfortable meeting someone's eyes. There might be various reasons for how you are in a therapeutic setting and you need to feel supported and safe in that setting and you need to feel like your therapist can be an advocate for you or and maybe ask good questions about what's happening for you maybe they can say hey i notice you're looking away can you share a little bit more about what's happening for you Um, and not in a way that presents looking away as problematic right so yeah. that that is a big piece of 
both cultural sensitivity and awareness of the diversity in the world today, which certainly mm -hmm. wasn't the case even 10 or 15 years ago. So, no. and still may not be the case depending on the therapist you see and the region in which you live, but it's an important consideration. Um, a lot of damage was done in terms of mm -hmm. what's normal. You know, I work um, with many cultures, some of which it's really normal as an adult child to stay in the house till you're married or even well after, right? I get that a lot of us are going back home and living in more extended family situations to do with housing and finances. But what I'm also talking about is the traditional expectations in different cultures around how we individuate. In other words, what is normal for I'm a self-sufficient adult in one culture, which might look like I move out at 18 or 19, in another culture might look like... Why would you abandon your I parents still live, like that? Right? And also, I'm going to bring money home to my family. My individuation has to do with my taking space as an adult in the house now and an equal participant in those adult activities. It might be, I'm now married. It might be, I now have a child. Right. So there are different understandings of this across culture, and we need to honor them and find ways to support people in therapeutic settings. So and so I, I'm wondering, I, OK, I'm going to get into this because this is something that I think is really important as a as a way of differentiating therapeutic therapists approaches. Um, we've talked about cognitive behavioral therapy before, and I've I've seen a lot of people in the chat just be like, oh, I hate CBT, I hate CBT. I was trained on CBT by a student of the founder of CBT, and I hate the way most people do CBT because to me, they're not doing CBT the way I was trained to do it. Mm -hmm. It's like it, it's like they're they they call themselves a chef, but they can only cook from recipes, and they just say the way it is to people because they the way I was taught is it was a collaborative empirical exploration of a person's experiences. And if there's evidence that there are things like, you know, systemic oppression, then that's not irrational thinking that's systemic oppression. But a lot of therapists that I hear these horror stories about, they don't take that stuff into consideration. And they're just saying, Oh, you're thinking wrong because they're enforcing this idea that, you know, this really simplistic idea that you can think your way out of every problem, which is BS. It absolutely is. And that's is. not something therapy can do for you. Therapy does not fix systemic issues when you deal with an individual. Right. Therapy cannot fix systemic issues. Therapy can't fix racism, for example. It can't fix other forms of discrimination. Um, what therapy can do is help you figure out maybe some tools for coping with them, some supports, how to advocate, um, when to advocate, and when you can just go low, you know what, I'm not going there, right? So therapy can certainly help with that, but therapy can't get you a raise. Therapy can help you look at what's happening in, in an organization and whether it's supporting you and whether its values are in line with your work ethic and your capacity as an individual and your desires, your talents, therapy can certainly help you explore all that, but it can't fix your environment. Um, and you might not be able to fix your environment. And that's one of the best things about therapy is it can help you figure out um, where to uh, spend your energy, right? Um, therapy can't fix your spouse. 
<laughs> you know, um, if your spouse is willing to go do their own therapy, that's fine. But you can't come in and say, I want you, therapist, to fix my spouse when I am working with you, not your spouse. Right. I can help you cope with things. I can help you learn about things. I can help right. you find the language to understand more things about your relationship and whether it's working for you or not and what things you might like to raise with your spouse and all of that. But we can't fix someone we're not working with. We can help you figure out how to better support those around you. Like if you come in and you tell me my child's going through this thing, I can help you figure out how to better support your child. But we can't change your child. Because change is undertaken by the individual and they have to have their own reasons for doing it. So I can't alter the agenda of some other person. They have their agenda. I can maybe help you understand that agenda better. I don't want better. that power. I would hate that power. I don't want That's that not power. therapy. That's manipulation. Let's be clear. There Hold is on. a oh, difference. Oh. <laughs> question, question for the two of you. And I realize this is a real big tangent. But have you ever thought about the fact that in comics and movies, telepaths would be the most anxious people you'll ever encounter? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. For good reasons. Because I, I, I think I've said this before, but I, I know the weird thoughts I have that just come out of nowhere. I would be so anxious all the time if I could hear other people's weird thoughts. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want it. I, I no, it. I don't want people. You know, people coming into the therapeutic relationship, just like, but just tell me what I'm thinking. Like, listen, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you what you're thinking. I can ask you what you're thinking. It. That's so awesome. You know, I, I, I think it's really valuable that someone can witness your thoughts and feelings and guide you through them sometimes but yeah i can't make you think a thing let's be clear mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well and that i mean even that gets down to the nature of what we're talking about Absolutely. is is utilizing that power differential to enforce change on other people as opposed to and this is me using just really i'm getting real snooty with my literary references here being like virgil in the divine comedy guiding dante through hell Virgil could not directly interact, but Virgil could act as a guide to allow Dante to interact. Um, I don't know if they did that in the video game, too, but I don't. Let's not bring up the video game. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe not. That's not a good. Don't don't take that as a guide of therapy. Don't really. I'm, no, I'm just Wait, gonna, I, I, this, is, this is how different it is. Yesterday, he brings this out. I'm like, I absolutely freaking love that analogy now that the video gets around i'm i'm gonna back up and i'm gonna put myself uh, okay in here. my defense i went from talladega knights to dante all right you did which i think is the first time in human history that's happened pretty sure <laughs> pretty sure yeah yeah okay we'll wait for him to finish laughing but, <laughs> the, but the but a lot of what happened a lot of what i see as problematic with therapeutic with therapy, the therapeutic process is when somebody abuses the power differential that's in place to not guide somebody on an exploration of their own thinking and insight, but telling them what they're thinking is wrong. Yeah, or or trying to uh, get them to follow what the therapist's agenda is. You know, say right. say you come in and see someone, and um, they have an idea that. As you, as you share about your spouse and your children or whatever, um, they have an idea that 
maybe you shouldn't be with this person. And right. that's a bias that comes into how they process uh, or talk about your relationship process, right? And that's not okay, you know? It, right. It's not that they necessarily are, are wrong, but that's not okay because that is your decision to make and the questions need to be sufficient to help you consider the full picture and not just one specific picture. And that's what good therapy will do is help you just fully explore a situation rather than secretly decide what's better for you. We don't want any agendas running the therapist. Right. Um, it, you know, what, what, what therapy does for you when it's working right is it helps you to change you the way you want to change. You don't, it doesn't, you don't go in and be just, okay, therapist, fix me. Yeah. Nothing. Crap. And so actually, you know, Mitra, Trevor, I wonder, I realize we didn't put this on the talking points. But I realized this is this is a big thing we didn't ask yesterday. How can we help people get the most effective therapy they can get mm. without falling into these traps? I think that is a really good thing to talk about and mm -hmm. that we should take a little break for a disclaimer oh. first. Also to give time to think about it. I see what you did there. Uh, I see what you did. Uh, so, yeah, let's take a quick break, remind our viewers and listeners of uh, our disclaimer, and then we'll come back and talk about uh, what we can do. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hey, it didn't mute me when we came back. Uh, all right. Uh, li like a, uh, a Saturday morning cartoon that just came back from a break. Why don't you rephrase that uh, or re say the question again? That, like, <laughs> I can't word right now. That's why I've been on mute most of this episode. Have fun. <laughs> no, we get it. Word not good now. Word not good. Absolutely not. Not at all. Bad okay, so much repeat I do. Please repeating. <laughs> okay, so essentially... This is all well and good to know that there are limits to therapy, that it can't fix other people, that if you are a member of a marginalized community or even multiple marginalized communities, that therapy on an individual level can't fix the systemic, the systemic forces that are, that are keeping you down and are making life difficult for you. That, but how can we give you some tools to figure out if either this therapy or this therapist is going to give you the the sort of benefits that can be good for you or are they going to be they going to help you realize the limits 
I, I think I'm going to bring up a thing that I said very long time ago on the show, uh, which is treat the first session with your therapist like a session zero of D&D. Oh, God. yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel like you, like, when a DM asks you, like, you know, come, come with the, your lines and veils. Uh, come with, like, what you want um, as a character or as, you know, out of the adventure. And the adventure is the sessions that you have with your therapist. Um, you know, come with an idea of what you have and then talk about that and see if it's even realistic for that person. Yeah, and I would add, um, I don't, I know not every therapist does this. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually annoyed that not every therapist does this, but um, I offer people a free half hour session um, and I'll do it in person if they want. Well, pre-COVID, COVID I would. Um, and now when I'm getting to know someone, it will always be a virtual session. But <clears throat> the point is that this is an opportunity for someone to get to know me a little bit, to understand my my uh, personal theories of change. Um, and by personal, I just mean that the ones I've developed as a therapist over time, not the ones that help me change. But the ones I tend to use and the treatment modalities, uh, as well as um how I'm responding to your situation and the kinds of questions I'm going to ask to help us both understand your situation more clearly. And this gives you an idea of what it would be like to work with me. And I think that that's really important because I want people to come to their first session, in my case, feeling a sense of safety and trust. If people are asking for a paid first session, maybe ask them if they're willing to do a phone call. Maybe ask them if they're willing to do a half session so that you're not spending quite as much in terms of your income. And if you have insurance coverage, that's great. The point with this is for you to be able to have a sense of safety and trust with the therapist before you've made any kind of bigger commitment. I have had clients say, you know, would you discount if we did, if I paid for three sessions at once? And no, I won't. And the reason I won't is because I don't want you paying for three sessions at once. I want you being able to decide each time that you want to be there. And I think that's really important to the work because you need to feel a sense of freedom and not being trapped into a therapeutic relationship of any kind You want, or trapped into a relationship which isn't actually that therapeutic is the point. So that freedom to really interview the therapist is a... Is important. It's really important. Um, and that's why we're talking about what sorts of things. So you want to feel a sense of safety and trust. That's the first thing. You want to yep. feel like you can really just, you can talk to this person, um, that you feel okay to say whatever you need to say. That you Now there's trust, and I get that. That builds over time as well. You might not go into the first session feeling like you can share everything with this therapist, right? There might be some things that are connected to shame and fear and, you know, your situation that you might not want to bring out session one. That's fine. These things also develop over time. However, you do want to feel like I can see a path to trusting this person to really be able to share some of these deeper problems and these places in myself and in my history that I'm actually afraid to go into by myself, that I'm worried about. You want to feel like, okay. I get to share that stuff, and there's that, a path to that. That's actually why I like that Dante Virgil metaphor. Yeah, 
Yeah, because exactly. You're you're going into you're going into the deep rooted pain mm-hmm. and you're trying to bring it out. You need somebody you can trust uh, to to walk with you. Absolutely. You need someone to walk with you because that person will bracket from the beginning of the session to the end of the session. There'll be and there should be in best I say should, it doesn't always happen, but the best case is that at the end of the session there's a few minutes to wrap things up and maybe help you cope with the week ahead because maybe mm-hmm. you've handled some pretty tough material. So that's the kind of sensitivity I'm talking about. I yep. want you to have a therapist who's saying, okay, what are you going to be doing after therapy? And if you say, hey, next week I really want to explore this difficult, painful, traumatic thing, I want them to say, let's not do it at a lunch hour. If you can help it, let's do that at the end of the day. Let's right. do that at a time where you don't have to immediately go home to spouse, <laughs> children, parents to take care of. Let's find a time where you have space afterwards and where you can come back to the world and be ready to take things on. That's the kind of sensitivity I'm talking about, where you have someone who can... Now, Dr. B is really wincing over here. Well, no, I'm wincing. <laughs> I'm making faces because yeah. I have been on both sides of that conversation so many times uh-huh. that I have been the person who've been like, yo, hey, maybe let's not go there quite as entirely, quite as quickly, and at 8 a.m. And I've also been the person who the therapist has had to slow down. <laughs> To be like, hey, dude, maybe let's not go there on session two. This, because oh, oh my god, the D and D metaphor is so perfect for this. Like, right? You uh, let's let's not go the B. Let's not face the BBEG on session two. Okay. Let's. You're, Don't tell that to my players. That's <laughs> get some resilience first, people. <laughs> uh, let's be level yeah. eight. You, you got to level up first before we yeah. can fi- before we can fight the you Le- know, leveling in this instead of a class is just a bond, right? Like what what you've got between you and your therapist. So so so, get the, so therapy can't fix your problems right away. Yeah, yeah, and you can't go in going, hey, that's it, ready, I'm going in. No, that's not the approach not to take with your nervous I- system. Um, I genuinely remember walking out of the second session of uh, therapy as an adult and just standing there for a second at the parking lot going, what the hell did I think was going to happen here? <laughs> like, I think like I think I did go in there thinking, you know, like, oh, yeah, a couple of sessions of therapy and I'll be walking out of here with smiles and rainbows. No, that's not how this works. Oh, and yeah. there's a question in the nope. in, in the chat about how do you know? Uh, oh, Darson Ray. How, during the first very short meeting, are we supposed to know the person we're hoping to work with will be the right person for us? Fantastic question. Dr. B is clearly a keener. Yes, yes. <laughs> you to my right. Please, please. I, I have I have thoughts on this. Okay. <laughs> One, there's a, there's a question a lot of therapists ask, what are you looking for in a therapist? And that's cool. That's cool. But a lot of times that's so big that you don't necessarily know, especially if you've never done this before. And so the question I used to ask, and if I'm if I start a practice again, I'm going to continue to ask is what are you not looking for in a therapist? I mm. always ask that. And I I'm wish very this was proud more of, of myself right now. As a yes, good student. You should be because <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question a lot of people don't get asked. <laughs> yeah. And they uh, they they're like, oh, 
Well, here's what I'm not looking for. I'm not looking for someone to sit with their back to me that I don't look at and just let me talk aimlessly. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Uh, by the way, that. I've had that experience. And... Oh, God. Oh, yeah. You know, this is one of the things that made me want to become a therapist, not the experience, but what not to do. Yeah, it was right. really interesting because I actually did face-to-face -face work with that particular analyst, and, and that was great. It was actually helpful. Although I remember something I didn't like, which was I sat, um, we sat at his desk. So he was behind his desk, and I was, um, you know, like a typical doctor's office situation where the doctor's behind the desk and you're sitting across from them in the slightly less comfortable chair. The annoying thing about that was he had these two really comfortable armchairs, sort of angled like so, you know, like one does in a therapist office. And I remember always looking longingly at those armchairs, but never being able to say, can we sit there instead? And then we went straight from the armchair to the couch, which was covered with a Persian rug. Okay, and if you've seen any of the old Freud tapes, which I have most certainly sure that Dr. B has, you'll be like, yeah. Yep, so, I remember. Sorry, about I was that writing my Freud. thoughts down because I have Persian several rug, of them. Freud. <laughs> you know, that's what he did, and there I was. Mm -hmm. You know, the ceiling yeah. did not offer any inspiration because you're lying back, you're looking <laughs> at the ceiling. And and I'm not dissing psychoanalysis. Okay, I want people to know that I've also tried Jungian analysis, and that was absolutely wonderful as an experience. We sat on comfortable chairs facing each other. I just really want to stress this. <laughs> because whatever the reality, and maybe the couch is for you, right? What I want to say is that it has to be a situation that you are onboarded to, that you have bought into. It's your agenda. This is what you want to try. So now to be fair, what the therapist had said to me in that instance is that, well, the next stage of our work together would be psychoanalysis. Would you like to try it? You know, at the time it was covered by my health insurance and I thought, why not? So I was not mm -hmm. coerced into this situation. I want to be really clear. But what he didn't say was, let's go sit on those armchairs now, which yeah. 21, 22 year old me was not feeling comfortable enough to ask. And that's your red flag right there. Yeah. 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 So. I've, I've got my notes of the things I'm, I'm like, oh, and I have this thought and this thought and this thought. <laughs> um, so to, to get back to the question of how do you know in that first short session, one, do you feel like you work for them or do you feel like they work for you? And that oh, is yeah. a question. Because the therapist, and this is something I used to remind people of, they're my boss. They pay my bills. And I work for them. And that part of that was because... Um, I really try and and minimize the power differential as much as I can in that therapeutic context. Um, and so I would remind people, I work for you. I and remind if, people. I'm, it, yeah, it's very yeah. important. And so for me, if I'm going into a therapeutic context and I feel like I'm working for them when I'm paying them, I'm out. I am out of there in a heartbeat. Yep. Um, additionally, and this is this is similar to this. So one of the one of the most common things therapists do is that we is psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists reframe things. They it, it's like it, it it's like taking a die and putting a slight and looking at a slightly different facet of it. But there's a difference between a reframe and a straight up connect correction. 
Yep. Mm. There's a difference between how about we look at it from this angle versus no, you're wrong. Mm. Yep. Mm. And mm. do you feel corrected or guided within the therapeutic concept context? And that's a big for me. That's a big warning. If people are pointing me pointing me to a different perspective versus straight saying straight up, nope, I'm yeah. out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You have to be respected. You have to feel respected. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important because um, you need to feel like the therapist is on your team and mm-hmm. on your side. Yeah. And part of the corrective emotional experience of therapy is that um, I can help you see something you're not seeing, but right. from a place where you're feeling supported and cared for. And that's not an experience we always get to have. Some of us have punitive experiences with parents or teachers or other authority figures in our life. And therapy, although it's sort of set up in that way where there's the therapist has some authority, uh, the therapist's job is to remind you of your authority in the situation, and more important, your authority in your life. The person who's going to make the changes is you. I can be a guide, I can be a supportive presence, I can help you see some things that maybe you weren't seeing before, but you wanted to see and were ready to see, right? So, because it's also important that the therapy not go 10 steps ahead. You know, sometimes I might be working with a person and I might think, oh, this situation that they're in, maybe it's not good for them, right? But that's a judgment of mine. And it's my job to set that aside and just be with the client, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe I can see something because I've seen 15 clients with that situation. And I kind of have a sense of how it goes. It's still my job to be present with the client's experiencing and not to go 10 steps ahead of the client. Because I've heard of people doing this. You know, someone will go see a therapist and they'll be like, I'm wondering if you should leave your spouse. Maybe you shouldn't be with them. And I'm like, you just met me the one time. Really? How is that even remotely ethical? So, yeah, so that's what you don't want to see. Now, those are the big red flags. And I think, you know, we're talking about the littler ones. But if over time, say two or three sessions, you still don't feel like, you're really jiving with that therapist, please find someone else. Um, my worry for you is that sometimes insurance is what it is and so on. Yeah. See if you can talk to the therapist. And that's another mm-hmm. piece. How does the therapist respond to you saying, that's not it, or that's not working yes. for me, or can we try something yes. else? Mm-hmm. How does the therapist respond to your uh, feedback is a yeah. big, Crucial. big sign for me. Yeah, I actually want to. I actually want to point one in here. That's really good. Uh, this is from uh, Kierenson. Uh The therapist is also not your friend. I.e., it's probably a bad idea to go out and get a beer with them. Uh, yes, hundred percent. Never they do are it. Not your friend. No. I would never do that. And never. And they need I've, to I've hold literally the said, boundary. I've literally said to my wife, I'm legitimately sad that I met Mitra this way and not as a therapist because I would love <laughs> to go to therapy with her. But you can't. I can't. That, that, that is not how that is now. I'm just going to say I friends. feel all warm and squishy inside that you said that. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. But yeah, it's, it's but, absolutely yeah. the case. Yeah, yeah. You have to be aware of those relationships. And I'm going to point out, particularly in a smaller town. Right. So I've been in a situation where I've worked with someone for a little while and then I discovered their kid goes to school with my kid. Yeah. Now, that may be just fine. Right. That may be just fine, but it may not. 
And so it's my job yeah. then, if I've seen that, is to say to them, listen, I just want you to be aware, you know. Now we're at a point where nobody's picking their kids up from school. Their kids are older. They might not even be in the same grade. But it is your job then as a therapist to point that out. Where I, might I we think, cross over? What well, could happen here? I, I think if that happened to me, I would legitimately tell my uh, therapist, just like, hey, if I ever see you at our kid's school, I'm not even going to look oh, at you. That's, like, that's what I'm going to tell my client. That's what I'm going to tell my client right away. It's like, listen, and I say this to people. I said, listen, we might run into each other outside of this setting. Mm -hmm. And I am not going to make eye contact um, or at all. You know, if I if I happen to catch your eye, please know I'm not trying to make conversation. Um, if you feel like coming up to me and saying hi, you are most welcome to. But I, I honor the, you know, because because I don't want people to feel and I've run into people where it's just them and I alone on mm -hmm. the on the you know sidewalk or in a grocery store or whatever and they do want to say hi and that's fine mm -hmm. you know i'm not going to ignore you but if yeah. you're with someone or if you're you know if you're just not in a space where you want to encounter your therapist that's great that's the boundary it is my job to hold the boundary for clients right even yeah. when it's not it's my job to do it so you don't yeah. have to be 100 percent aware of what the boundaries are i'm going to tell you Right. So, yeah. Well, and that's 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 a big one for yeah. you know going back to this question of how do I know it? How do I know what are some like red flags in the first session or things I should be looking out for? Um, one of them is are is the therapist upfront about the limitations? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they um, one of the but one of the ones I look for is just interpersonal style. Mm hmm. And do they do they have a style that fits what I'm looking for? Are they more are, are they more didactic? Do they teach? Do they tend to pontificate? Do they send it, tend to sit back and go, mm-hmm, that's awful, mm. and just empathize the entire time? Do they tend yeah. to be a little bit more conversational with back and forth? Personally, I prefer that in my therapists. Um, yeah. I, I, I like therapists who are willing to self-disclose a little bit. Yeah. Because the appropriate self-disclosures can be a appropriate. powerful tool. Appropriate self-disclosures, because that's I, uh, a whole thing unto itself. I, I go in with a really kind of weird one that is probably uh, more uh, self-serving to my ego than anything. They got to laugh at my jokes. Like, they got to have a sense of humor. They got to laugh at my jokes. They don't laugh at my jokes. Then I'm just like, well, I just feel weird now talking to you about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, but one oh, specific question I ask now. And I didn't used to ask this question, but I ask this now. And this has to do with my needs as an autistic person in a neurotypical world. I will ask a therapist, tell me about, tell me your thoughts on the impact of intersectionality on mental health. And one, if they don't know what I'm asking about, that is a huge red flag for me. Definitely. And two, if they don't have a good answer for that, they are not the therapist for me because they are probably going to t try to basically teach me how to be more neurotypical as opposed to how to interface with a neurotypical world as an autistic person. Um, and that is, there's a very important subtle difference there. And so if they can't answer that question, first of all, they don't even know what that question is. Um, then if I'm they out. haven't heard of intersectionality, I'm really what worried. What are they even doing? What are they even doing? But in today's world, it's yes. it's. I mean, you brought this up, Mitra. A lot of training programs have like one class on culture and inclusion, and my you know, training program was no different. 
we didn't even have a single class on LGBTQI issues or gender in general, Mm -hmm. which was profoundly disappointing to me. And it was a good program. It's just that that wasn't, they somehow didn't think that was an issue. I don't know that impacted mental health. Like, come on. Anyway, I have very strong opinions about this. Yeah. Well, yeah. And things are slowly changing in that yeah. direction. Again, the, yeah. AP, the APA um, and the Canadian Psychological Association have both released statements recently uh, saying, hey, we need to address this better. Yeah. Um, it's getting towards the end of the show here. I do want to give a little bit of a chance for uh, listeners to our listeners and viewers to uh, have some questions? Oh, uh, probably. I'm, actually, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna jump here towards the end of them to uh, our green paradoxes question for patients to, uh, that get assigned uh, a therapist by their health coverage. Should the patient ask uh, the new therapist if the therapist feels uh, they can help the patient, or if the therapist feels a different therapist would be better fit? Those are great questions. Those are yeah, great that's questions. That's why I wanted to jump straight to that one. Those are great right. questions. Yeah. Well, and to, to use Trevor's metaphor, I mean, let's wrap this up as a D&D table. Just because yeah. somebody is a great DM for somebody else doesn't mean they're going to be a great DM for you. Oh, yeah. Th- thousand percent. Rules lawyers will hate my table. Oh, like, ditto. <laughs> ditto. Like, like you know, I, I I I love running games, but like my games aren't for everybody. And the same thing with the therapist. And and I I do understand with the 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 being assigned by health coverage because that's what happened with me. Like I uh I called my my provider and I was like, hey, I want to go to therapy. And they're like, cool, come here at this time. So I went there at that time. I filled out a bunch of paperwork. Talked to some woman in an office at the end of a hallway, and she was like, yeah, you need therapy. Uh, we'll be in contact with you in like a week. And so uh, then a week later, I get a call that's like, hey, you're gonna go through uh, this group. Uh, they're located here. That's the closest one we could do to you. All right, cool. All right, they're gonna call you in like 72 hours uh, and uh, to ask you what your preference would be for a therapist. That happened, and like literally, I didn't speak to my therapist until the day I went, and they were like, "Here's your therapist. Have a great time." Um. So, but the thing is, though, is that I did still feel like if I needed to, I could be like, hey, this isn't working for me. That's important. I need to get a different therapist. And, yeah. and that therapist, uh, like she she very much said, like if we need to you know, work with a different person, we can get that going. So it, because the way it felt, it felt very much like this is where you're going to be because that's how the health coverage in America goes. But yeah. I, uh, if I'm not going to say it is everywhere, I may be the exception, not the rule, but the experience I had was I did still feel like I could that's awesome. ask about yeah. changing a therapist. I think that's important. I mean, I think we addressed um, employee um, assistance plans. Um, you can, yeah, <laughs> but you can, you do actually have some choice with therapists there as well, but but not much. Um, so I think we also have a situation where in some cases, um, you know, if you're not going private, it might be harder to find the therapist who has yeah. availability for you. Um, mm-hmm. There is some. Most agencies here will also offer a choice and give you a chance to try a few different therapists, which is useful. Um, I just want to quickly say Rat with Wings. Yeah, we, we actually did deal with, with social justice and cultural issues as well, and minorities and indigenous issues in particular. But the real gaps for me um, were indeed, um, you know, just more in-depth understanding of both gender, culture, intersectionality. These were terms that came up, but I felt that I really could feel the gaps after my training. So 
you know, that's, yeah, I then, you, then you just have to kind of fill those in for yourself with training and that's fine, but it's just noticeable um, and that things have improved. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I do want to say, uh, especially because it came up so much during this episode with uh, finding a therapist, we do have a whole episode about that. Uh, I do highly recommend going back and checking through the backlog of episodes that we did just this year. I still cannot believe that yeah. the show has only One been year. going on for less than a year. Um, and so, yeah, we I, I highly recommend going and check out either a podcast feed or uh, YouTube. Uh, YouTube is on uh, CNE Games. Um, and we, we have covered several things with this. If you have any more questions about it, go check out those. We might be able to help you out there. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's just go back to the top. Uh, CY Morgan uh, said, my therapist says that even if your life seems to be fine, you can always improve uh, your happiness and that, uh, and that therapy can help you do that. I, I, sort I, of, I don't know about improve your happiness. I think improve, uh, you know, consider your expectations and consider what you might like to change which mm-hmm. you know presumably could improve your your contentment but um, I find happiness to be kind of a bit of a problematic word I, I get what your therapist is talking uh-huh. about but I think yeah. that there's this idea that um, my life isn't working if I'm not always happy like that can be a kind of expectation with chasing happiness and yeah, that's a lot to put on yourself. Nobody's always mm. angry all the time, right? One hopes. Nobody's <laughs> always, you know. So if we think about emotions, they tend to kind of go like this. And we're looking for regulation and stability, uh, to my mind, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we do, we had that whole episode and then yeah. that whole thing with the oatmeal uh, of ha- how to be perfectly unhappy. And I'm still angry. That was so succinct and so brilliant. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, oh my, my eyes are going cross, uh, trying to do this name. I'm just gonna say Big Papa. Uh, it says, t- uh, telepathy is like wandering around the internet without safe search. <laughs> <laughs> and I very much enjoy that comment. <laughs> Thank you for oh. that one. I really do like that. Yeah. I did that one search and mistakes were made because I didn't <sighs> know that was a term. Made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. My Amazon search will never be the same. Uh, the Lurking Writer says, question, have you done an episode on the benefits of TTRPG slash D&Ds from a therapeutic standpoint? We yeah. have. Yes, we um, have. And, I can, and as much as I recommend that you go check out that episode, I will give you the abridged version, which is don't therapize your friends. And also, <laughs> it's not the games that are the therapy. It's the therapy that uses the games to deliver the therapy. The yes. therapy is the therapy. Yeah. Therapy is the yep. therapy. The games are just the games, and they're the also games are a the good vehicle. time. They're a great way to interact mm-hmm. with your friends. Why not? So, yeah. but yes. And it's um, not that games aren't great for taking risks and learning new things. Like the best thing about a D&D group is being able to try out um, your role and maybe try out being, behaving, having a character who's very different than you. That's great fun as well. But that is not therapy and it yeah. shouldn't turn into it. Yeah. So. Therapeutic is different than therapy and that's a whole that's that right. was a whole episode unto episode yeah, yeah. unto itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um unfortunately we do Ugh. need to wrap it up here because we do have another show uh right after this. Uh Mitra, Dr. B, where can people find you if they'd like to do so on the internet? Uh people can find me at on Twitter, although I, I do check my Twitter. I'm not super active. In fact, I probably haven't posted in a while. So there, I'll dust the cobwebs off people. But yes, you can find me there. You can Let's DM find me. Um, and of course, oh God, no. Why do this to He's me now? Let's find out. Um, and you can find me, of course, at mitrajordan.com. So 
I'm around. Are you, are you just <laughs> waiting for me to say how much you're around? <laughs> like he's around. I, I, I'm <laughs> he's around. everywhere. I, he's in the, the air. <laughs> I okay. So I'm here every Tuesday. I have my own stream where we do just very chill things on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and every you know once every weekend. Um, I'm on Take This's stream every other Monday with Dr. Kelly Dunlap. Uh, make sure to follow Take This Org for you know Ooh. updates on what we're all doing. But if you're looking for me specifically, you can find me on all the socials at the Doctor B. That's T H E E D O C T O R B as in boy, and that's where I may be found. Ranting about hats and cocktails and Dungeons and Dragons and maybe one of the greatest puns of my life in the last couple of days. Oh, Have no. to follow me to find out. Ooh, <laughs> incentive. Ooh. That, that's a that's a good incentive. Uh, you could find me. Uh, uh, well, right now you can find me on the from the same Mister podcast, which is uh, premiering every Friday, where me and my donor conceived siblings talk about being donor conceived siblings um, and not knowing each other for the first thirty years of our life. Uh, thank you to Jay for moderating in the chat, and thank, thank you, you to Codename Entertainment and and take this for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. Uh, if you missed any part of the show, you can catch it later today as a podcast on your favorite podcast service. And if you have any suggestions for future topics that you'd like us to talk about um maybe into the next year uh you can send this into champions of psychology at codenameentertainment.com or if that's too long tweet them at us tweet them at us and we would uh love to talk to you about uh for uh those of you that are live in the chat right now be sure to stay exactly where you are because bardic inspiration is going to start in a few minutes and i really need to get off here so dylan doesn't yell at me so that is going to do it for this <laughs> week's episode so until next week take care of yourself bye bye Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.